always feel it such a privilege to be up here. Um, I was just in pondering and everything and throughout the week and stuff, and I'm starting to feel nervous and everything, and I get a text from Jeremy, and he's just, I'm just like, hey, man, I'm, he's like, you're going to do great, and I'm like, I'm actually pretty nervous, and he's like, you want to know why? He says, because you respect the pulpit which you stand behind. You honor the Lord's anointing on your life. And it just touched me and impacted me so much. And I want to honor through that. I want to honor those who have pioneered this stage. Um, Brent and Sharon, my in-laws, uh, Kevin and Donna Stadi, they're on vacation. Um, and uh, John and Lona Lowe. Um, you guys are amazing. If you guys could just give it up for them, the house leaders of this. Thank you guys so much. Everything you do for this house, all the sacrifices you make, the reason why this place exists. All right. Um, today I want to talk about um, power of pressure. Um, Matthew 26, 36 through 39. It says, <clears throat> Then Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press or Gethsemane. He told them, Sit here while I go and pray nearby. He took Peter, Jacob, and John, otherwise known as James, um, the translation. Um, sometimes you hear Jacob instead of James and John with him. However, on uh, however, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into agony, and he said to them, "My heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here, keep watch with me." Then he walked a short distance away, and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, My father, is there any way you can deliver me from this suffering? Please take it away from me. Yet, what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plans for me. Then an angel from a heaven appeared and strengthened him. So today I want to talk about when pressure comes on your life, when there's something overwhelming, a crushing experience that you might be going through, the, the, that moment where you say, not my will, but yours be done. We live in a culture um, here in Windward where we champion victory. We champion a victory mindset. We champion um, that kingdom culture. Um, but oftentimes, a lot of times we go back into our lives, we go into, um, our work routine, we hit Monday morning, the mountaintop on Sunday, the valley on Monday, and we forget what God taught us on the mountaintop. We fall into a place of distraction, and we beg God, please just, just take this, it's a burden, take it away from me, take it away from me, take it away from me, and we don't submit to a process that maybe he's leading us through on the pressing, on the pressing floor. Um, you hear Pastor Brent and Kevin talk all the time about, about victory. Why am I not living in victory? Why am I not a chosen generation, a royal priesthood? Why am I struggling with these things that are on me? You get in a mindset and you never submit to that process. And you sometimes even call it an attack of the enemy when it is in a phone call. Uh, God? Yeah. You have something else? Okay. <laughs> sometimes we even call it an attack of the enemy. Um, don't get me wrong, there are very real attacks of the enemy, but sometimes we're in a place where we have maybe even done something to ourselves. We put ourselves in 
in a place of pressure. Sometimes um, we get in a place, I know I've done it in the past, it's nothing to be ashamed of, but you get in a place where you have overspent your finances and now you're in a place of pressure on your finances and you're saying, God, just I want financial freedom, but you're not willing to submit your finances under God and go through the process of pressure and pressing to learn stewardship, to learn favor. The Garden of Gethsemane was called the oil press because it was a place where they grew a lot of these, these it was really well known for olives and there was a pressing floor there. And what they do with the pressing floor is they take all these olives and they put them in this big vat and then they have a huge stone. It would probably stand about this tall and it would be about this wide. And then they would have a big post that would go out of the wheel and then they would have either an animal or several men and they would roll over all of the olives and they would crush them and they would crush them. And then they would take all the pulp that was left and they would separate it from the oil and they put it back in the vat and they crush it again. And they crush it again until all that was left was just a beautiful golden oil. Through the process of the crushing, the olives went from a stage of ripe fruit, ready for transition, into oil. It sometimes is hard to think that maybe you are, you don't think that you're ripe for what you're going through, the crushing. You're not ready for it. You don't understand it. You don't know what's going on. You're not ripe, but God knows that you're ripe. When you're going through a crushing, he never puts you through something that you are not already for. You are ripe for the situation. You're ripe for what he's doing in your life. Even though it doesn't feel like it, he's chosen you for a specific destiny. God has already equipped you for what you're going through. You're ripe for the process that lies ahead. You may not think that you're ripe, but God looks at the vine. He sees you on there and says, ooh, this one's ready. This one's ready to become beautiful. This one's ready to become oil. Another process where there is crushing is in the process of making wine. They take the grapes and they crush them. Back in biblical times, they would crush them with their feet. They would sit there and they would crush the grapes until they were nothing but juice. And then they took them to the process of fermentation and they would add things to them and, and then they would take them and they would mix them with other grapes. I'm going to steal this because I can, but credit where credit is due. Brent gave me this this morning while we're talking. Um, they would mix them with all the other things and they would mix it all together, all the other grapes and all the blends and they would make this beautiful wine. Your process, your pressure will be used and mixed with someone else's process, someone else's pressure, and you will walk them through their pressure when they don't feel strong enough to walk through their pressure, when they don't feel strong enough to hold their cross and bear their cross. The Bible doesn't say, just be, just, you know, it's gonna be okay, don't worry about it, you know, just love me and that's okay. It says, pick up your cross. You're gonna go through times of crushing. You're gonna go through pain. It's just the way it is but I'm gonna be there with you 
in the crushing. I'm going to walk with you through the crushing and I'm going to put other people around you that will walk with you through the crushing, that will walk with you and show you that it's just so, it's okay. I've been there before. I've done that before. I've walked through this before. I've been there. I've done that. It's okay. We can do this together. It may not feel like you're equipped, but you are. There's an old saying that passed around through ministry and Bible school and other things, and it always it's, it says, uh, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called. And it's true. You don't feel like you're equipped when you're going through a crushing. When you're going through a situation, all the tools at your disposal from the mountaintop experience are usually thrown out the window. You don't remember any of it because you're focused on the here and the now. You're focused on what you're going through. You're focused on the pain that you're experiencing. And you put the blinders on and you don't remember what the mountaintop was like. You get back down into the, into the encampment with the children of Israel and they're dancing around naked in front of the golden calf and you're going through a crushing and you're understanding, why God, why is this happening? And you don't forget what just happened on the mountaintop for 40 days where he encircled you in a cloud of glory and he gave you the Ten Commandments. He gave you the process by which you would walk through the valley, but you don't remember it. Another example of something that God, God puts these things. um, I love looking at nature. That's why I talk about oil. That's why I talk about wine. Um, But another thing is that um, eagles. Um, I love using nature because God just speaks to me through nature. Um, But eagles, baby eagles, the golden eagle goes and it makes its nest up on the cliffside. Way, way, way up. And then the baby eagles don't really like leaving the nest. They don't like being that crushing moment of mama saying, it's time to go. It's time to fly. And oftentimes she'll have to actually remove them from the nest. And I know people don't want to hear that your crushing might be coming from God. But sometimes God's not necessarily crushing you as much as he is nudging you into a place where you can go through what he's planned for you to go through. He's pushing you out of the nest. He's pushing you into your destiny. And it feels like crushing, even though you're well equipped. The baby eagle can fly at this point. It's got all its feathers. It's lost all its tufts and down and all that stuff. And it can fly. It's ready, but it doesn't know it. Mama pushes the baby eagle out, and sometimes it makes its way back to the nest. It kind of glides its way down the cliff a little bit here, a little bit there, and then it kind of glides its way back up because the nest is comfortable. Process that you've been in for so long, this rut that you've been going through for so long gets comfortable. And you start sacrificing your destiny on that altar of comfort and just saying, ah, this is comfortable. It's pain, but at least I understand this pain. I know this pain. I've been through this pain. And you're so scared 
that if you lose that pain, you'll lose your identity because you've become known as the person that sits at the gate and asks for alms, asks for money. You've been known by the person, your identity has conformed to the person that is in pain. And even though freedom will set you free and make you who you're supposed to be, make you fly, make you go off and do your things that God has made you to do, you're willing to sacrifice all of that to be comfortable, even though it stunts your growth. Because if the baby eagle stays in the nest and never flies, mama's eventually gonna go. Baby's gonna be stunted. Baby's not gonna get food anymore because they're only, mama's only gonna feed you by hand for so long. I'm not saying God's gonna leave you. Don't get me wrong by that. But eventually God's gonna expect you to feed yourself. He's going to expect you not to want milk anymore, but to want meat. He's going to expect you to start digging in his word and finding the meat for yourself. He's not just going to put Pastor Brent and Pastor Kevin up here on the stage Sunday after Sunday after Sunday to spoon feed you your revelation for the week. He's going to expect you to enter the process of the pressure on your life and work it out through travailings. We endure crushings and we try to abort the process, find another way, sometimes even spiritualizing our way out of it. Well, God didn't mean for me to go through this. God didn't mean for me to do that. And what happens to grapes if they don't go through the full process of crushing or olives when they don't go through the full process of crushing and they just kind of get smacked and then they kind of leave, they get bruised. There's a lot of bruised olives and bruised grapes walking around on this earth. They're the kind of people that will talk to you and say, I had a bad experience with church one time, so I don't avoid, I just avoid Christianity altogether now. The kind of people that say, God didn't, didn't do what I asked him to do when I was five years old. He didn't save my mom when I was five years old, and so I want nothing to do with him. I'm bruised. But you know, the beautiful thing about God's mercy, the beautiful thing about God's grace is that even if you take a bruised grape and you put it back into the pressure and you put it back into the grinding process and you submit it to the pressure that God has for it, those bruises, those nicks, those bug bites, those cuts, they don't show up in the wine. The wine is beautiful regardless of what the grape looked like when it was submitted to the process. The grape, no matter what you look like, what you came into this house with, no matter what burden is on your shoulder this morning, no matter what junk you drug in behind you in the spirit, God is gonna take all of that and he's gonna submit it to a pressure. He's gonna submit it to a process. He's gonna remove you from the nest and he's gonna say, I've equipped you, I've readied you. I'm gonna make you into something beautiful.
Sometimes there are crushings, though, that alter your life entirely. That <clears throat> I don't have an explanation for. God does, I'm sure. But I don't have an explanation for. There are life-altering crushings. I remember when my wife and I walked through the miscarriage of our son and we had the stillbirth of our son, Jonathan. Um, I was just devastated. I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't understand why I was being crushed. I didn't understand what God was doing. My humanity was crying out constantly. I would drive by the hospital where it happened, and I couldn't even look at the place. I would get filled with anger. I'd get filled with regret. I'd get filled with all of these emotions. But I remember at the same time, every time any of that would ever happen, I would remember at the same time in the hospital room when I was holding my wife's hand and I was texting the people that were saying, Chris, you're doing amazing. We love you. We're so, you know, we're, we're with you no matter what. And I would just text back, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because even though my humanity could not comprehend what was going on in my situation, my spirit man understood that if I walked out this process, if I walked out this process of pain, if I walked through this, I knew that God was going to use me. I didn't know what it would look like, but I knew that somewhere down the road, there was going to be a man, there was going to be a woman, there was going to be somebody that God would place in my life that was walking through the same thing and they couldn't get past that wall and they couldn't have the experience of blessed be the name of the Lord not my will but yours be done and they couldn't experience that and God was going to use that my testimony my process just like I said earlier, you're in a vat of other grapes all around you and they're not just the same breed of grape as you. Some are wild grapes, some are, you know, tame grapes, some are sweet, some are sour, some are, you know, you know who you are. <laughs> and they're all in that vat together. God adds a little bit of this and a little bit of that. stirs it all up and you go from fruit to fermentation I submitted to a process of pressure I submitted to the process of God saying alright because I don't God didn't cause Jonathan to die I don't even know if the devil caused Jonathan to die because God, the devil doesn't have power over my son the devil doesn't have power over my family because my family lives under the honor and the submission of God. Jonathan died because Jonathan died and it was his time to follow through with whatever course God had. But God used that crushing 
Sometimes crushings come from God nudging you out of the nest. Sometimes crushings come from a demonic attack. Sometimes crushings come from your very own choices that you've put yourself between a rock and a hard place, and now you're unwilling to go through the process, to go through the pressure, and you're just cycling in a circle, a routine, a rut team. You're in a rut, a rut team. But God has such bigger plans for you. There's so many things. There's so many stories in the Bible of someone that was taken and put through a process. David was hunted by the man that he knew was anointed to be king. And he was supposed to be king. But he was hunted by this man who was king. And he didn't do, you know, he could have taken Saul's life. But he was hunted viciously by Saul. Joshua went with Caleb and and 10 other guys into a land and he knew that it was theirs and he knew that they were supposed to take it and he knew that without a shadow of a doubt they could even if there were giants in the land. But 10 other guys said they couldn't and so the whole, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of millions of, of Israelites were stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. And Joshua, I imagine during that 40 years was thinking, man, if only I would have tried a little harder to convince the 10 to just say, guys, we can really do this. That was his personal crushing of 40 years. But guess what? Guess who brought the Israelites into the promised land? It wasn't Moses. It was Joshua. His personal crushing prepared him so that when he went into the land, he went by sword and he conquered the land. dry getting up here pastor willis otanga out of this house said i think it was in his last sermon but he said don't let the pain of your journey kill your dreams don't let the pain that you are in right now or have been in the past and you've become used to, or the pain of the future, because sometimes you can get scared of what's coming. You can kind of see it on the horizon, you see the storm clouds building, and you get nervous. Don't let that pain kill the destiny, abort the destiny that God has planned for you, even though you know you're gonna have to go through a crushing, even though you know you are going through a crushing. The Bible specifically says, though you are crushed, you will not be destroyed. You are struck down. I will get you back up. The beautiful, beautiful process of making the oil, of making the wine. The grapes are crushed. They're transferred from fruit to fermentation. Grapes are their most potent form of themselves when they are wine. They affect what is around them more when they are wine. Wine affects the user. It affects the people around you. Because if you're around someone who's intoxicated, you're going to do one of two things. You're going to distance yourself or you're going to join the party. It's just the way it is. 
So when someone is intoxicated with the presence of God, they're either going to distance themselves from you because they're in their own crushing, they're in their own place, their own walk, where they don't understand what's going on. And I'm not saying you need to go out there and manifest yourself in an intoxicated way on the streets of Vancouver. But when you carry the presence of God, when you are intoxicated by His wine, you carry that presence whether you're acting it out or not. Bill Johnson calls it leaking. You carry within you a presence so hungry for God, so on fire and passionate for God, that people around you know that there's something different. They know that there's something more. They know that there's something about you that is just intoxicating. The whole presence of someone that is filled with the wine of God is intoxicating it. They smell like him. They look like him. They act like him. Wine affects the user. It affects those around them. It's most potent. The grape is most potent when it is wine. Oil is most, the olive is most potent when it is oil. When you pour oil over something, changes the whole dish. When you pour oil into water, it changes the whole thing. And you'll never be able to separate all that out again. At the end of Matthew 26, 39, it says that an angel came and strengthened Jesus. During your crushing, God is not going to leave you alone. He's not going to walk out on you. He's not going to just say, all right, you know what? You, I pushed you out of the mama eagle. You know, I pushed you out of the nest. The mama eagle and the papa eagle, they stay in the area for up to a year after that baby is ready to fly. Watching over it, making sure that it's being able to hunt for itself. Oftentimes they, they do like, you know, they go and get little small things or they scavenge off of other predators and stuff. But the mama and dad are always there watching over baby. God's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. Even Jesus, his beloved son, he didn't leave him or forsake him. He didn't turn his back on him. He looked down on his son in anguish and pain, and he sent comfort. He sent comfort through the trial, comfort through the pain. There will be comfort even in the crushing. Even when I walked through the pain of Jonathan, there were days where I felt in pain and there were days where I felt comforted. There were days where God would send a comforting spirit upon me, usually in my darkest time. Usually when I thought all hope was lost. Usually when I thought I can't endure this crushing one more day. I'd look into the eyes of my other son, Samuel, and I would just feel comfort. You'd come and give me a hug. Daddy, I love you. He just learned how to say I love you, and it's breaking my heart. Oh, my goodness, guys. To hear a son say I love you. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Getting all misty. All right. Remember, remember, remember. As you leave here today and you take whatever this was for you, if this was an educational, if this was a mountaintop, 
Jeremy singing and preaching is a mountaintop for me. That's not fair that he can sing and preach at the same time. Oh my goodness, that guy. That's a mountaintop experience. Take those mountaintop experiences into your valleys. As you walk back into Monday, as you walk back into a job that you hate, as you walk back into a life that's kind of tilted, doesn't look right, as you walk back into whatever it is that you're experiencing, even if it's good, even if you're on mountaintop on Monday and you were on Sunday, then good for you. I'm proud of you. Continue that line of thought until the next crushing. I promise you, you will be in another crushing. Your reward for victory is another trial. Your reward for being victorious in this is another trial. When David beat the lion and the bear, it just set him up to fight Goliath. When he beat Goliath, it just set him up to be king. When he beat Everything that David went through is just another step towards what God had for him to do. Everything that you walk through is just another step. When you beat your lion, you'll fight your bear. When you beat your bear, you'll fight your Goliath. When you beat your Goliath, you'll be set up for king. But remember, the weight of a king is heavy. And those who can be tested much will be trusted with much. God is going to use you mightily this week. God is going to do great and powerful things through this year, through next year, through the years to come. God is going to do great things in you because you are destined for victory. You are destined for greatness. Those he tests mightily, he uses mightily. That one always gets me because sometimes we don't want to endure that testing, but we want to be up here preaching or we want to be out on the streets and we want to be evangelizing away, but we can't talk to our neighbor. Remember, your test your trial is preparing you for what God has next. You are becoming the wine of God's presence. You are becoming the oil that ran down Aaron. You are becoming what God has destined you to be, what he has meant for you and planned out for you since you were a child. It says, I knew you while you were still in your mother's womb. You are destined for greatness and that cost is great I just want to leave you with this last thing become his wine submit to the process of pressure submit unto that pressure though it hurts don't become bruised there's too many bruised grapes already walking around And then when you have been submitted through your pressure, walk other people through theirs. This is family, guys. Like Jeremy said, welcome home. We are family, and we walk things through together. In our family now, if there's somebody that's going through something, whether it be, you know, Justin or Jess or dad or mom, we gather together, we get together, and we walk through it as a family. I did the same when I was living in the States with my family. We 
walk it through his family. We become unified. And that's what makes the wine. Not just one grape being crushed, but many coming together with their shared experiences and their shared things that they've been through and walking each other through things as a community, as a family. And that will intoxicate the earth. But don't stay still if the wine just stays on the bottle. Yeah, it becomes older, it becomes aged, it becomes good. But until it's open, it's no good just sitting in a bottle. Pop the cork, pour it out over the earth. Be salt and light. Be the wine of his presence. supposed to be here this morning and I'm glad that I was my wife and I were heading out but through some delays we've we've chosen to stay here and our son-in-law Chris said well you know dad why don't you preach I'm like no no you're carrying something and how many times has a father and a son, father-in-law, son-in-law. I look at my two son-in-laws as sons, and I look at my daughter-in-law as a daughter. Who has to add in-law behind it? I mean, you're in our family. And as Chris said, in tough seasons, we as a family always get together. We talk it through. We walk it through. We stay together. And we become wine together. Because a bruised grape on its own actually becomes useless. Its life expectancy is very short. But the same bruise can also become the crushing to make wine. And how Chris brought this out. We're a family of wine. I had to write a couple questions down, little thoughts that came to my head as he was preaching. The bruised grapes that leave will never be wine, as Chris said. But in unity, that same bruise, that same affliction, whatever it might be, we don't look for afflictions, but the afflictions come as part of life. And we get to look at it, as Chris said, as becoming wine together. Because wine lasts a lifetime together. A single grape won't. It will shrivel up. Does that become a raisin? <laughs> and there's a lot of raisins in some churches. Dried and withered and chewy. I was wondering as Chris was teaching, well, when we drink wine, we get drunk or tipsy or whatever, how much ever you drink. I'm wondering if the wine itself is drunk in the presence. I'm talking about a family here. Church family, Christian family, a family together. You see, when we get, go through the trials and tribulations together, we get pressed 
and squeezed on all sides. But there is a joy of the Lord that becomes our strength in that pressing. And when we hang together and do it together as family, as Chris has said, I believe there's a joy. There's a drunkenness in the spirit, a joy, an intoxication of the presence of God, however you want to say it. An intoxication that can come upon you in the middle of a trial and tribulation that overwhelms you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I think many times we empower the enemy by looking at the trials and tribulations and focusing on them too much. And we say, well, that devil, you know, he's attacked us again, or yeah, look at, look what he did to me this time. I think we need to just not give him any, uh, any credit for anything, to be honest with you. <laughs> Let's just say it's a tough season, but don't blame it on the devil. Just it's a tough season that God wants us to walk through his family to overcome. Chris shared about their son, Jonathan, and Samantha birthing a, a child at five months that no longer had breath. And as a grandfather, huh, I'd never experienced that either. And I cried out, oh God, oh God. I wasn't as worried about Jonathan because I knew where he was. I was worried about my kids. I love how Samantha said something along the lines of, Jonathan was just too good for this earth, that he needed to be in heaven. But those crushings, they hit the whole family. When you're a family. When you're a great by yourself, you're gonna be bruised and beat up and rot. But as a family, as a Windward family, as a family of believers, as a family, we do it together. And it makes a better wine than what could have ever been imagined. And Chris also said, when the storm clouds are on the horizon forming, there will be storms. I'm not predicting them for you. I just believe life is life. But you know, as a captain for yachts and a boating instructor for many years, when a storm came, we couldn't run from it all the times. And we weren't supposed to all the time. What you do is you start to prepare the boat and you prepare the crew and you clear the decks and you take down sails and you prepare the crew and you get them ready for the storm. And when we, as a family on that boat, would go through the storm and come out the other side, oh, that wasn't that bad after all. And when you see the next storm that looks like that, you're like, done that one already. I want us to all stand. I asked Chris to stay up here. I thank the Lord my daughter went to Bible college down in Texas to find an Ohio boy. Buckeyes, I think they're called. Who had a passion to serve God, to become a pastor. 
me three years of seminary. And here they are, part of the family. And everyone has gifts and functions. Every one of you have gifts and functions that we need. Because one person or two people can't do family alone. Even a good mom and dad that don't utilize their children can't do family good. They become controlling and dictatorship rule. I want to encourage you here. This is not about control. This is about a family. But every son and every daughter needs to agree to be a part of the family. As Jeremy said this morning, welcome home. It's our, it's our statement. It's because there are so many people that just don't have home. But we want to be home. We want to be family. I feel in my heart as Chris was preaching that there's some that are feeling pressured and crushed. Some on all sides. Maybe finances, maybe sickness, maybe just worry, maybe fear, whatever it might be. I want to encourage you today that this is the day that you join hands with someone beside you and say, no, we are family, we are grapes, and we are stuck together. We might be a little beat up and bruised once in a while, but we will be together to make a beautiful wine, a beautiful fragrance into the presence of the Lord. And I encourage you right now, and I know, oh my goodness, if you're worried about the pandemic, don't do it, but just touch hands with somebody. Uh, hold hands if you want, or hold their shirt if you're worried about something jumping off of them or something, I don't know. But I want to encourage you here today. If we don't have sons and daughters rise up, we don't have a generation. You see, a generation isn't about a certain age group. A generation is about everyone alive during that season and time. And here's a son that's rising up, bringing the word of God. Sons in this house, many of them, sons and daughters in this house, rising up and being what they're called to be. Because if they don't, they'll be a lonely grape that'll end up turning to a prune or a, no, what's a prune, a, a raisin. You know, sometimes you go into a place and even some families in the physical, you can always see the raisins in the prune. They look at you, someone new comes in, you know, or, or the new family member joins the family and they're like. Or you sit in their chair and they walk by you. I want to tell you what, the prune face is not the face of a believer. The raisin face is not the face of a believer. The face of a believer has the presence of God all over them, has the joy of the Lord rushing through their veins and every being that they have. I'm going to call Levi up too, my other son-in-law. Where's my son? Oh, he's running all the stuff upstairs, okay. Just come on down, just leave it. Quit switching the cameras right now. I believe there's a uniting fathers to sons and sons to fathers. Fathers to daughters, mothers to daughters, daughters to fathers and mothers. But you see, if we don't choose 
to unite together with our sons and our daughters then we expect them to do it and that's a selfish selfish way of trying to build family but you see family isn't built on selfishness family is built on love and unity believing in each other that the great things are about to happen that everything my wife and I carry is handed down automatically in advance to the sons and the daughters around us not when we die I call it a living inheritance and every one of you are carrying an inheritance for your marriage or future marriage for your children or future children for grandbabies for brothers and sisters that maybe you don't connect with and I want to declare to you today that say it, now is not the time to be a prune or a grape. It's not the time to be a raisin. It's time to be wine. The wine of God in His presence and Holy Spirit by the living Word. And I know Chris's parents are watching right now. Sharon and Sam, Samuel, down in Ohio. Everyone turn around, welcome. Hey, Ohio! And we stand together as sons in a family. Is Samuel here? Is he downstairs? Okay. Standing here together as sons in a family, saying, let's come close. Saying, Family is more important than church, but family is church. Family is more important than religion. It's more important than rules and regulations. But if you don't have the Word of God, you won't have good family. I stand here as a father and a grandfather saying to every one of you, don't waste another day as a grape, a prune, or a raisin. Don't waste another day. Reach out to some family members that you need to reach out to. You know what I'm talking about. Don't have to preach at them, just love on them. Just appreciate them. But reach out because to have a good family, you're gonna be the one that starts building it. And if you already have a good family, you're the one to start building a better family. Don't ever wait for everyone else to do the work. You're called to do the work now to build the family that you're called into. Four men stand here. I see angels on this platform around each one. And I have the question in my mind, well, who's the one that carries the most authority in this four. And I want to tell you what, it's not me. No. You see, it's my honor to be their fathers. If we live with selfish motivations and we think we're better, 
we might be wiser because we got a few more gray hairs or stressed out a lot more, I don't know. But if you don't celebrate your kids being champions, you miss the greatest opportunities in the world to celebrate what God has blessed you to have. I encourage you today, don't take for granted this day that the Lord has made. In it rejoice and be glad in it. For he has made this day for you and for me. Some of you need to walk out that door and make a phone call today. Even just loving on your mom or your dad. But don't waste the opportunities that are before you. Even being bruised up and squeezed together to become wine. Don't waste the opportunities that are before you. And all the people said, Amen. Yeah. Um, one thing that just kind of what dad was talking just impacted me real quick. If, if you, what would I be if I didn't act out the process, right? If I've already, if I've just spoken about the process and what I went through and, and God is, I've spoken about what God can do through that. Um, if you have been having trouble having a baby, or you want to have a baby, I just want to pray for you. I don't know if there's anyone in the room, but I've walked out that process and I've walked out the, the trouble part and the, the loss of, and if you're, if you've lost a baby, um, I just want you to come forward. Um, the service is dismissed. The prayer people can come forward. But if you have that specific thing, I want to pray for you because I feel like God has something on my life that is for crisis and trauma with pregnancy that God has walked me through that process and now I can live in it and I can walk it out. So if you have that, come forward. Otherwise, prayer team is up here. If you have anything else, they're happy to pray for you guys. Much love. Have a great week, guys.